want to bring some of our experience, something that we are very passionate about. And as we walk through this life, um, you know, we kind of get to think that the whole world is just like us. And America is about 5% of the world's population. And so this morning, I want to bring you a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I want to do something, and my hope and my prayer this morning is that more than the stories that you hear, more than the videos or the scripture or the individual things, my prayer is that God himself would do something in our hearts this morning. I'm excited to share. I'm excited to do these things. But I want God to change my heart this morning. I want to be closer to him than I ever have before. I want to know more of what he wants for my life than I ever have before. I want to be equipped to reach people around me more than I ever have before. Is anybody else in that boat with me this morning? Okay, we got a couple people over here. What about this side? Okay, okay. So I want to pray something before I share. I want to pray something that I've prayed for many, many years. Um, And whether you're like at the very beginning of the missions journey or you're at the very end and you're an expert, that doesn't matter this morning. My hope is that we're going to move the needle, that God is going to push us even closer towards his heart. Amen? So I want to pray something that I've prayed for many, many years now, close to 10 years. I've prayed and I've said, God, would you shock me now? Don't shock me later. Say, shock me now. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and have any regrets. You know, sometimes when we move or we change jobs or, you know, someone uh, that we're close to leaves or passes away or something like that, a situation changes, we always look back and we say, man, God, if I would have just known, I would have done this. If I could have one more chance. Guys, I don't want to get to my life, the end of my life, and look back and have any regrets. Leonard Ravenhill said within the first five minutes of eternity, everybody's going to wish they prayed more, wish they gave more, wish they loved more and served more. I do not want to be shocked at all the missed opportunities. Through the Holy Spirit, we can know now how to reach the people around us. We can know now what God has asked us to do with this short, short life. Amen? So let's pray. God, I thank you for your goodness to us this morning. God, I thank you that you are a good, good father. And as we walk through these trials and we walk through these things, God, God, that you are there. And not only are you there, but you put people around us to help us walk through this thing. God, I thank you for your goodness and your kindness that you've shown to us. But Lord, I want to know what you would have me do. God, I want to know how to reach the people around me. God, I want to live this life. And at the end, when I meet you for the first time and I look into those eyes, God, that were there at the creation of time, God, in those eyes, look through me. God, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're going to say, Josh, well done, my good and my faithful servant. So God, would you open up our hearts this morning? in a way that maybe you never have before, God? Would you open up my heart, God? Would you take out my dry, cold, dead heart, God, and give me a heart of flesh, God, a heart that feels the way you feel for your people? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our missions journey uh, started back in 2009, and it was my very first missions trip ever. And so we, we went on this missions trip, my wife and I and a couple people from our college group, uh, we went to Laos, and at the time, we didn't know much about it, but we, we get there, and we're driving through the mountains of northern Laos in our Speed the Light truck, and my friend Zach looks at me, and he says, Josh, you know, there's a village over there that's never heard the gospel, probably never will. Josh, there's a village over there, never heard the gospel, and I think we've got a picture of, of those mountains driving through. I mean, you can see 
these areas are remote. And a few days later, I'm praying and I'm kind of reading my Bible, you know, and I'm trying to pick out, you know, a nugget of truth. You know, I'm reading, I'm saying, God, okay, speak to me. But I cannot get this stuff out of my head. And it just felt just flat and dry. And as I started to, to think and pray, I, I started to realize that I'm over here trying to, to put one last brick in this, you know, giant castle of my Christian faith when, when there's these people over here that haven't even put in the first, the first brick. You know, I'm on, I'm on lap 100 trying to shave, a, you know, like a tenth of a second off my time. And there's these people over here that, that haven't even started the race. And I said, God, you know, how is it possible? How is it fair? How is it right that these people for thousands of years, 2,000 years since you've come, have lived and died, lived and died, lived and died. These, these hard lives, I mean, afraid of spirits, working themselves to the bone, some of the poorest, most remote areas on the planet, just to die and spend an eternity without you at the end of it. And then, God, you have me over here who grew up in one of the most blessed nations in the history of planet Earth. God, you've walked me through all this stuff. Has God walked anybody in here through anything? Right? God, maybe, maybe it took going through some stuff to get to Jesus, but he let you walk through it, and he was there on the other side. God, you've walked me through these situations. God, you've showed up time and time again. God, I've prayed the prayers. I've read the books. I've heard the sermons. I've sung the songs. You know, I've listened to the podcast. God, I've had all this stuff. God, what is my role in what I'm seeing here? What am I supposed to do with this? And as soon as those words kind of left my mind, the Lord reminded me of the words of Jesus. And he said, Josh, to whom much is given, much is required. And I knew in that moment that, that I had been given a lot. And I want you guys to know this morning that wherever you think you're at on like the blessed or not blessed scale, uh, the fact that we are here, we're able to hear God's voice, we're able to worship together, we have food in our stomach sometime in the last couple of days. I mean, we are among the tip top percent of people to ever walk the face of the earth. And for whatever reason, God threw, looked throughout time and space and he decided to put you right here where you can have all of this stuff. We had nothing to do. As much as I love America, we had absolutely zero to do with where we were born. And so he put us here for a reason. And so everything else that I say this morning, I want you to look through those lenses of to whom much is given, much is required. Is that okay? So what it looked like for our family was to go uh, and move overseas and to, to be a part of the ministry there. I'll give you a quick story of kind of how we were able to reach people in a place like Laos. Uh, Laos is a closed and persecuted country. And so we went there as English teachers so that we could build relationships and, and make disciples, okay? Well, one of my very first friends named Singcom, I've got a picture of Singcom here, this guy, you may have seen, I've probably shared a little bit of his story before. This is Singcom, and he was one of my very first students in Laos. And he comes over to the house one day to get pictures from one of our English clubs. And as he opens up his little netbook, I see that my family's picture is the background wallpaper on his, on his computer. At first, I thought that was kind of weird, you know, a Westerner, this, you know, why does he have our family on his computer and all these kind of things? He just loved our family. And wanted to be a part of it. And so we knew that God 
had connected Syncom with us. And so we prayed and we committed to do whatever it took to love this guy into the kingdom. And so whether that was, you know, paying for one of his English terms, which by the way, you guys helped to do, uh, paying through his, for one of his English terms to having him over to the house. I mean, this guy became part of our family. He was Uncle Syncom to uh, Noah. Well, a few, about 10 months into this, Syncom's family asked me, they said, hey, you know, we know there's this break, Christmas break coming up from school. You know, would you want to come back to, to our village? And I said, well, you know, Syncom, I'm really busy. I'm finally getting a break. I don't really have time. No, I, that's, not, that's not what I said. I said, of course, Syncom, I would love to go back to your village. And so we hop in our Speed Delight truck, drive two days, you know, over the mountains, through the jungles, not to Grandma's house, but to Syncom's village. And we finally get there, and the main event happened when all of the village leaders decided that they wanted to uh, get together and to bless Syncom and I. And so the village chief, village police chief, second in command, the leaders, the village elders, uh, the village witch doctor, the mall P, this guy was there. All the VIPs were there that night. And two by two, they come down and they put their hands on mine and they prayed to their spirits that I would have, you know, long life, you know, lots of kids, lots of money, you know, and don't be weirded out that I let them pray for me, you know, greater, I've, the God that's in here is bigger than the God that's out there, so don't be scared, I'm, I was okay, but they prayed that I'd have lots of kids, you know, lots of money, and the more kids I've had, the more I realized that it takes a prayer to faith to pray for lots of kids and lots of money at the same time, but they, but they prayed to these spirits anyway, and at the same time, I was able to put my hands on theirs and pray to the God who hears my voice when I speak, the God that knows the depths of my heart and theirs. And I said, God, would you open up this guy's eyes? God, would you open up this guy's ears? God, would your light shine in this dark village? It was one of the most incredible uh, times of our life early on in Laos. Well, the next day we're driving back and Sincom looks at me and he says, Josh, it's so cool. You know, there's never been an outsider come to my village before. There's never been another foreigner come to my village and I thought, wow, Sincom, that's pretty cool. You know, being the first anything is cool, but the very first foreigner ever to come to your village, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Well, as the wheels started turning, I began to realize that in over 2,000 years, this is the very first time that Jesus had ever been invited to walk into Sincom's village. And it wasn't because of a specific skill set or talents, but it was because day in and day out, we loved Syncom on purpose. And friends, a side note for you guys, people will stay at your church because they love your pastor and the preaching, or maybe you've got like the greatest worship leader of all time. <laughs> They're going to stay for those things, but they are going to come because of the love that you show them. They don't, people who don't know Jesus don't care about the preaching or the worship. They come because of the way that you love them into the kingdom. Amen? I want to show you guys a video. We have seen God do some incredible things. And, and I want to show you a quick video that as a media guy, uh, I shot and edited so that you could kind of see our people through our eyes. These all this stuff I shot like within the last year, year and a half. So these aren't clips that we just ripped off of YouTube and slammed together to show you. These are people that you are reaching through your prayers and support. These are your people. And so as you watch this video, my, my prayer is that God would stir your heart for them as he has ours. 
God is doing some incredible things in Southeast Asia. And so thank you for allowing us to be a part of this. Um, we thank God for all that he's done and, and we rejoice in the victories, but, but we judge ourselves and we measure ourselves by the task that's still ahead of us. Amen? We thank God for the victories, but we, we judge our progress by the task that's still ahead of us. You don't get the frame up on a house or when this building was, was being built, you guys didn't get the outside done and then just, okay, great, we're done. You know, it gives you, it get, once you get the frame set up or you get certain pieces in place, it's exciting and that should empower you and encourage you to keep going because you know what happens when it's finished. Amen? You don't go and you, you just tear up the ground and put the seeds in. You, the job's not done yet, right? It's part of the job. You can't just let the harvest come up and just walk away because what happens if you don't get it while it's ready? It dies, right? There's still a job for us to do. And this morning, I, I want to talk about two things, just two quick things for you to remember when you leave this room. One, the first thing is that there is this thing called unreached people. So have you guys heard about unreached people? You guys know about missions. You give to missions. This is an incredible church who I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I need to be reminded, Amen? I don't know about y'all, but I don't always wake up every morning and the first thing I think about is how can I reach my neighbor? <laughs> okay? It's, usually it's where can I get some coffee? Why are my kids awake already at this hour? It's those kind of things. I need God's help to reach the people around me. And how much more do I need God's help to reach the people that I may never see, that I may never hear, that I may never be around. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. If you're a numbers guy, you're going to be really excited about these next 90 seconds. But if you're not, stay awake, okay? If I see eyes start rolling back, you know, I'm going to have to yell or shout or clap or something. But I've got a couple of numbers for you. And these are numbers, this is something that's very, very passionate, I'm very passionate about. There are about 17,000 people groups on planet Earth today. Did you, anybody know that, 17,000? About 7,000 of those people groups are considered unreached, okay? So split up by, you know, uh, ethnic background, culture, language, all these things. And these, you can Google these later. You can fact check me. Don't do it now, but you can check me later. These are people groups that are split up in a variety of different categories, about 17,000 people groups. And I think this is so cool. Last night, even on the way here, I listened to this song that I hadn't listened to in probably five or six years. And the, the lyrics say, no one else can love you like I love you, Lord. I was made unique in you. I was made to bring you joy. And I get to thinking about these unreached people groups. And even as I was seeing, uh, listening to this song, I was seeing all these different people and how each one of us in this room can worship God like no one else can. Isn't that incredible? That there's something in you, the way you, your personality is, the way you are, that God looks at you and just, he just loves it when you worship him. And there are 17,000 different people groups on planet earth today. 7,000 of those people groups are considered unreached. 42% of the world's population lives in those 7,000 people groups. Over 3.15 billion people live in unreached people groups. 
So we're talking about 40, a little over 40% of the world's population lives in an unreached people group. What that means technically is that less than 2% of that people group are Christian. Okay, that's the top end of the, the spectrum. Okay, less than 2% Christian. Typically, across the board, it's much less, like 0%, 1%, 0.5, these kind of things. That's technically. Practically, what that means is that these people will be born, live, and die And they will never once hear the life-giving, eternity-changing message of the gospel. In the part of the world that we serve in, we are talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that will live their whole lives and never even meet a Christian. 40% of the world that we live in in 2019 lives in an unreached people group. And everywhere I go, I ask, did you know this? And the answer is always, no, Josh, I did not know this. It's not because we don't love God. It's not because we're bad Christians. It's just, it's difficult to remember the far away. So this morning, I want to remind us of the far away. And a lot of times people will say, Josh, what about the unreached guy in my office? What about the unreached guy at my university or at my school or at my job? They're not unreached because they're at your office. They're not unreached because they're at your job or at your school. If they have never heard the gospel, it's not because of their location. It's because we just haven't got around to telling them. Does that make sense? The best way I've heard the difference between lost and unreached is this. You've got two guys in the water struggling to stay afloat, okay? One guy is about 50 yards like off the water, kind of... I don't, don't ask me why he's out there. He forgot his swimmies, but he's struggling to stay afloat off of the beach. Then you've got a second guy who falls off of a cruise ship in the Gulf of Mexico in the middle of the night, and nobody even sees it happen. Both of these guys will equally perish if they're not rescued, right? One is not more important than the other. We're not saying that this guy is more important than this guy. The difference is, is that the guy over here, the lifeguard sees him, and he sees the lifeguard. There's people playing in the sand. They've already made it to shore, and they're making their sandcastles. They kind of see him, but maybe it's not as important to go out and to get this guy, or maybe, maybe the guy doesn't want to be rescued. Maybe he doesn't trust lifeguards. Maybe he doesn't think he's drowning. The difference is, is that this guy has access to be rescued. It is possible for him to be rescued. This second guy who falls off the boat in the middle of the night and nobody sees it happen is completely and utterly hopeless unless someone is specifically sent out to find him. And in 2019, on planet Earth, about 40% of the world's population, over 3 billion people, is like this guy. I've got a quick picture I can show you. Um, Could you just show that map real quick? This is a quick map of where most of the unreached and never reached live today. You can see most of it is right there in that 1040 window. Each dot is a people group. If it's red, that's an unreached people group. If it's yellow, it's a formative or nominal church, and green is an established church. So that is where most of the unreached people live today. And so why is that important? Why why does it matter that people don't, don't get to hear this gospel? Why is this important to us? One, it matters to God. As I mentioned before, God loves these people, and he died so that these people could have life. We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday next, next Sunday. It wasn't just for the people in this room, amen? It was for every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. 
And a lot of times people kind of have a hard time dealing with this. And how can someone live their whole life, never have an opportunity, and still not get to go to heaven? You can't have the kingdom without the king. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him and whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear unless someone preaches to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? This is a clear line to the gospel. It starts with us. Say, it starts with me. This is how the gospel, since the beginning, has been spread. You look at the lives of the disciples. You look at the garden. Jesus, he's crying out to his father saying, Dad, if there's another way for this to happen, let's do that. Right? But if this is the only way, I will go to the cross. And what did he do? He went to the cross because this is the only way for him to redeem God's people with their creator. You look at the lives of the disciples, even practically, the people who knew Jesus best, right? They heard him pray. They saw how he, how he interacted with people. They knew as much as somebody could about Jesus. Are we all in agreement on that? The disciples. Not only that, but then they get baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit of God himself that's giving him the, them the power to do what it is that he told them to do, right? Every single one of those guys died in a country that was not their own, except one. That should tell us something about the importance of this gospel to get it out. If there was another way to get to Jesus, the worst thing that we could do would be to go over there and to tell them, because then somehow they would be held accountable, right? It's clear all throughout scripture, the disciples, Jesus, everything that they did was to say, man, we've got to get this message to every tribe and every tongue. He told us, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Who wants Jesus to come back? Who wants this thing to be wrapped up? The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And when, the, when the, the word nations is ethne, when they talk about nations in the Bible, they're not talking about countries, right? Borders come and go. When it's talking about nations and people groups and tribes and tongues, we're talking about those 17,000 people groups. It's not enough for us to just send one missionary to China because it's a country. There's a lot of people, a lot of different kinds of people groups all living in China. It's important that we reach every single one. When we look in Revelation and we see every tribe, every nation, every tongue says are gathered around the throne. We get excited about that, right? We get excited to, to think of every nation, every language, every tribe worshiping Jesus. And we get hyped up about that. But do we rewind the tape and we, and we look back and say, well, how is that going to happen? How are new languages going to be worshiping in heaven? It's through our obedience to go and to reach them, whether that's to go, to pray, to be involved, whatever it is. We have all have a role in this. If there's ever been a group of people 
that could change this thing overnight, it's the people here in this room. God has given us everything that we need to wrap this thing up, except the desire to do it. That's on us. 2,000 years later, and that people are still waiting. When Jesus commissioned his disciples in Acts 1.8, and he tells them to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth, none of the disciples were even from Jerusalem, okay? So we use that a lot of times. It's like, hey, our own backyard. All these guys were from these surrounding areas. He, even that, he's saying, listen, you got to get to these people who haven't heard it yet. Every point along the way, Jesus constantly telling us to go, to go, to go. And then he ascends up into heaven, his final words, to go. And the disciples are all just kind of staring, staring up, looking at him, where he's got to send an angel to say, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're just thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, we're supposed to do something. I know he told us to do something. What did he tell them to do? He said, go and wait, and you're going to get the power to what? To have awesome church. Was that, is that what it was, Pastor? You know the scripture. You're going to have the power to have awesome church or awesome quiet times. No. He said, you're going to have the power to be my witnesses. The upper room was there for a reason. We can't just hang out in the upper room and just have this like Jesus party, you know. We're all just in church kind of high-fiving each other. Like, you're awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome, you know. And we're just living this thing with the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave us that so that we could reach out to the people in our communities and to the outermost parts of the earth. Amen? Okay, good. Are you guys with me? Is this okay? Okay. Sometimes it's easy for us to forget what our job is. Friends, they are not unreached because Jesus has forgotten about them. They are unreached because I have forgotten about them. 2,000 years after the command to go, And still, 40% of our world's population lives in an unreached people group. You are more likely today to die in a plane crash than to be a missionary to an unreached people group. You are more likely today to die in a plane crash, the odds, than to be a missionary to an unreached people group. Friends, we've got a big job and a huge opportunity in front of us. Amen? I hope you don't think I'm just trying to like make you feel guilty or guilt you into saying something or doing something. Sometimes we feel guilty because we're guilty. <laughs> okay, I'm guilty, <laughs> okay? I'm guilty, this is for me. And so my hope again is not that, you know, you're gonna sell all your stuff and move overseas, but have you asked God if you're supposed to do that? You know, I'm not telling you what to do, but have you asked God, how can I be a part of this? You know, you guys have sent us to a lot of crazy places. We've been in some of the (laughs) wildest, you know, mountain roads to, you know, sketchy alleys in big cities to um, some of the biggest mosques in Thailand to temples and all these kind of areas. And there's a lot of reasons that people are unreached. Closed, persecuted governments like we had in Laos. Um, Remote access locations. I mean, it takes days to get to these places. That's why nobody's been there, okay? There's reasons that a lot of people are unreached, especially in Southeast Asia. Um, but the main reason that we see among our people is this thing called Buddhism. You guys know anything about Buddhism? A little bit. Okay, the, the, Buddhism is this mountain, this giant stumbling block among 
over a billion people in Asia that live in the Buddhist world. And so the first thing I want you to remember is unreached. We've got to do something about the unreached, okay? The only thing worse than being lost is being lost and not having someone looking for you, okay? Remember the unreached. The second thing I want you to remember is this thing called Buddhism, okay? About one out of five, one out of six people on planet Earth live in the Buddhist world. And a big group of people that can do something to reach them, like we don't know anything about it. I didn't know anything about it until I moved overseas. And so you can sign up. We, we've started this Buddhist prayer initiative called Change the Map, um, where there's lots of information, all kinds of stuff that you can find back there. So that's a quick plug to find out how can I pray for the Buddhist world, okay? So let me get back to Buddhism. You know, uh, places like Thailand, there's over 70 million people and it's 0.7% Christian, 0.7% Christian. There are people in Thailand that have been in Thailand uh, in churches, Thai people who have been in churches for a decade, two decades, going to Bible studies, being mentored by the pastor, all these things. And when somebody from our team would ask them, say, hey, how long did it take for you to become a Christian? Typically in the Buddhist world, it takes between six and eight years from the time you meet a, a Christian to the time you decide to follow Jesus. This is why missionaries are on, on the field are important. So thank you guys. Thank you, Pastor. It takes 68 years from the time they meet a Christian until the time they decide to follow. And so we'd ask him, we'd say, well, how long did it take you to decide to follow? You've been in this church for 20 years. You know, you've, I see you've got a Bible, all this stuff. How long did it take you? Oh, oh no, I'm not a Christian. I'm Thai. I'm Buddhist. You know, and for us, that kind of blows our mind that, that you could be in church for all these years, but it's so ingrained and rooted in who they are as a person that, that they would never consider themselves changing over to Christianity. It's a good religion. It teaches some good stuff, but I'm Thai. I'm Buddhist. Okay? So these are some of the difficulties that, that we reach. And, and throughout the Buddhist world, you find these some pockets of Christianity. But in several hundred years of missionaries going to Southeast Asia, we've seen very, very little gospel attraction. And this is a big part of it. Um, as I said before, over the years, you guys have sent us to some crazy places. I've got some of my good friends are monks. You know, I've been, like I said, I've had the spirit guys praying for me. We've been in these, you know, sketchy temples, these alleys and all these different places. And, and you kind of start to get used to the spiritual atmosphere, right? So if you guys were to go over to Thailand or to Laos, you'd say, whoa, it feels weird over here because you're so used to the kind of oppression and the kind of things that are happening here in America. What's well, the same for us over there? You know, you might go over there and get totally freaked out. <laughs> you know, we've had teams come and tears, tears streaming down, you know, grown adults crying because they don't want to go into this temple because it's so dark. I always make them go <laughs> because I say, listen, you need to go back and remember what you felt like because this is what the people live under all the time. But we start to get used to it, and every once in a while, the Lord will kind of rattle my cage. Have you guys had that happen? Where you kind of start to just fo focus on your life and, and just kind of the things that are going on and the situations, you're just kind of looking down at your own feet. And every once in a while, God has to kind of wake you up. Maybe it's a close call with some kind of health issue. Maybe it's, you know, something great happens. Maybe it's something terrible happens. But you kind of get, God kind of rattles your cage a little bit. 
Well, he has to do that to me a lot, (laughs) okay? He says, Josh, wake up, souls. Wake up. Eternity is racing towards you. Remember, spiritual warfare, all these kind of things. And every once in a while, God does that. And a little over a year ago, the Lord did that to me again. I was at this place uh, called Yangon, Myanmar. Have you heard of Myanmar? Maybe Burma? It used to be called Burma. Now it's called Myanmar. And I was in the capital city. We were doing some work up in the northern part of the country and then did a little bit in the south. And I said, I've got to get to the Shwedagon Pagoda. I need to shoot this thing. Not shoot this thing, but shoot this thing So for our Buddhist prayer initiative so that people back home could see this stuff. It's hard to believe some of the stuff that goes on there. And so this, this temple, you can see it from anywhere uh, in the city. When you fly in, you see this massive temple. Adoniram Judson, who is America's very first missionary to leave, like in the early 1800s, to, to go out, went to Myanmar, you know, to Burma, and he saw this thing coming up the river. I mean, this thing has been here for, they say, 2,000 years. And so I knew I had to shoot this thing so people back home could see it. And so I get there, and this is, this is the temple. You can see those are the people. This is a football field high. That's pretty big, okay? It sits on about 22 acres, the, the, the land around it. And there are just people everywhere. There's temples that surround the whole thing. Well, I get there, and before you go up to this temple complex, that sits on top of a, of a mountain. You have to take your shoes off because it's a holy place up there. And so I'm thinking, man, you know, it's like 100 degrees out. I'm going to be walking around in this tile for five or six hours. You know, I didn't want to do it, but we're, you know, we're used to it being in Asia. Our son Asa, our five-year-old, his first day back uh, stateside, um, when he gets ready to go into children's church, he took his shoes off in the hallway and, you know, walks into the nursery, the kids' church, and the, the workers are looking at him like, why is he leaving his shoes in the hallway? And I, it's okay, he's Asian, you know, just, just let, him, let him do it. We can tell him to put it back on. So we're used to it. So I took my shoes off, and I get ready to walk up these stairs. And then the next thing that I saw were that there were, like, hundreds of pairs of shoes. And so I knew that if this was anything like Laos... When there's a wedding and everybody takes their shoes off and you go inside, if it's a wedding or a big party, that is a prime time for people to upgrade, okay? <laughs> when they see all these shoes, that is a prime time for people to upgrade. And so I thought, man, when I come back, are my shoes even going to be here? You know, because that's what happens. You'll, go, you'll come out of a wedding or a party and, oh, okay, not again. You see somebody walking with your shoes and you're not going to go tell them, hey, give me back my shoes. And so I thought, well, okay, well, if I come back and mine are gone, at least, you know, I'll be able to upgrade and get a little bit better pair of sandals. Uh, but they were there when I got back. Well, I start walking up, up the stairs to this, this temple complex. And it's about from these chairs over here to maybe to this wall, this walkway up. And there's one on each side leading up to that, that courtyard. And it's this covered walkway, almost like a tunnel. It takes 10, 15 minutes to get up to the top of this thing. And you're walking through it, and on the sides there are people, excuse me, selling like holy water. They're selling these little statues. They're selling flowers. They're selling incense. All this kind of stuff so that when you get up to the top, you can have everything that you need for this experience, right? 
And so I get to the top and I just start talking to some of these people, the people that I could understand, the Thai or the Lao people. We've got a couple pictures of some of the portraits. Um, just taking pictures, you know, take, make conversation, show them some pictures I've taken in the past on Instagram or something. Hey, do you want a picture like this? Yeah, I'll take it and I'll send it to you, you know, just trying to make some conversation. But before I know it, it starts getting darker and darker. And before I know it, it is like shoulder to shoulder people. They say that anywhere from 10 to 20,000 people can be at this place at one time on a day like I was there. I also didn't realize until the day I was there that it was the second holiest day of the entire Buddhist calendar. And I was at one of the holiest Buddhist sites in the world. And I, as the full moon kind of started rising, you could feel the spiritual atmosphere start to get heavier and heavier and heavier. You're smelling the incense. You're smelling the, the, the smoke from all these other candles. You're seeing um, these people, just tears in their eyes, pouring out their hearts to these idols, knowing full well that their, their prayers will, ne- will never be answered. You're seeing these, these dads walking with their, their babies to be, to be dedicated you know, in our part of the world, as a Buddhist, you're, you work your whole life building merit, building merit, building merit, so that next life you'll have a little bit better life. The goal is to eventually hit nirvana, but nobody thinks they can do that in their lifetime. So typically, we just want to shoot for a little bit better life next time. In our part of the world, you can also trade that merit to some of these spirits for good luck, health, you know, the thing with the baby, you know, just that the baby would be blessed and all this kind of stuff. I'm seeing these, these kids, this tall, these girls, heads shaved, monks, bowing and chanting, bowing and chanting, walking all around this whole thing. People just sitting there, just staring at these, these idols, hoping for an answer. You know, and we, we heard this morning, um, I don't know where he is, but you shared about, can like God hear like a silent cry, you know? These people, they have this silent cry, but it's to someone else. God hears it, but they're not going to hear an answer unless someone tells them. I got so overwhelmed with, with what I was seeing that I, I just kind of lost it. I had to shoot a video. Okay, and I know that's not probably the first thing that you would do in an experience like that, but I became so overwhelmed that I, I had to turn the camera around because I knew that if people could just see and feel what I was experiencing, that, man, maybe we could see God make a difference over here. And so I want to show you one last video. Um, Again, this is from that night. This is footage from over like four or five hours on the second holiest day of the year, one of the holiest sites of the Buddhist world. And my prayer is that God would stir your heart, that God would stir my heart again, that he would rip our heart to shreds for these people these are not just missionaries people, right? These are moms, dads, sons, daughters, people that God himself created. And these are his kids. And so my hope is that as you see this video, God would stir your heart again to to really what we're up against in Southeast Asia. After several hours of seeing this, I, I went back to my hotel room. Guys, I just like lost it. I just lost it. I was so overwhelmed with what I had seen and experienced and felt that I just lost it. I was so overwhelmed for two things. The first thing was their complete hopelessness. You know, these people, 
that are living their whole lives climbing up this mountain of works and merit, knowing that they're going to get to the top and it's going to be empty. Because Jesus has already come down and done it for us. He's already broken karma. He's already paid the debt that we would have to pay. And they have no clue. Seeing thousands of people, tears streaming down their, their faces, knowing that every single tear that hits that dusty ground is going to go completely unanswered. As I just, I just could not take it. The second thing was um, I was just overwhelmed with my helplessness. I felt like, God, like what can I even do? You know, I'm looking around and I'm seeing these thousands of people and I'm seeing this giant statue that has been there for thousands of years as a testimony to the strength of Buddhism in that part of the world, like mocking Christ in his church. And I look at that thing and I'm just like, God, what can I do? And maybe you're feeling like that this morning, like, you know, hey, Josh, thanks for just dumping all this stuff on us. You know, what are we supposed to do with it? But friends, can I tell you this morning that, that I was not the first person to be heartbroken at the Shwedagon Pagoda. I was not the first one to be heartbroken in, in Singham's village. Through every dusty alley, every small temple, big temple, mosque, mountain, valley, all these places that you've sent us, all these people, God is there. As, these, as this monk rocks back and forth, back and forth, chanting, tears streaming down their face, looking up to this cold, dead idol that cares nothing for them. The God of the universe, the God who hung the stars in the sky, the God that created them is looking at them and just waiting for them to lift up their eyes and to see him for the first time. Waiting for them to hear his voice for the first time, to feel his touch for the first time. Friends, can I tell you this morning that God has called us to be his hands? He's called us to be his voice to these people. He's called us to be his hands, to reach out and to touch these precious people. Since the beginning of this thing, God has used his people to make himself known. When we look at Moses in the Israelites in Egypt, what does God say? He says, Moses, I've heard the afflictions of my people. I've heard their cries. I've seen their afflictions. I've heard their groans. I've heard their cries. Like what you guys just saw. I've seen it. I've heard the groans. I've heard the cries. Moses, I am coming down to rescue them. And what are his next words? Come, Moses, I'm sending you into Egypt. Guys, he does the same thing today. He's heard their groans. He's heard their cries. And he's asking us to do something about it. If there was another way, surely he would have told us about it. You know, next Sunday... We're celebrating Resurrection Sunday. And some of you, it may have been your 30th, 20th, 40th, 70th Resurrection Sunday while people here are still waiting to hear about it for the first time. If we could all stand, I just want to pray and I want to ask God to speak to us. Um, I, I don't pretend to be... Uh, God's voice to you. I, I pray that he speaks through me and, and that you hear his voice, but I'm not going to tell you what he wants out of you now that you've heard this. But what I do know is now that you know, something will be required of you. We, not many people know this stuff that you've heard about. 
now that we know we've got the power of God inside of us, I know he's gonna ask us to do something about it. And I don't care what that is. Maybe it's pray, give, go. Maybe it's to go to the same you know, Thai restaurant every week and build a relationship with Thai people. There are, there's a Lao Buddhist temple about 45 minutes from here. Maybe it's to go and hang out with some Lao people. Um, I don't know what that is. But I do know that God's heart is for these people and our lives are too short and eternity is too long for us to just coast through this thing, just thinking about our walk with Jesus. Guys, for billions and billions of years, you're gonna reap the rewards of this life that you have lived here. You might not care about rewards now, but you're gonna care about rewards one day. And Jesus is gonna be reaping the rewards and these people that we reach are gonna be reaping the rewards for billions and billions of years because of the yes that we give God this morning. Amen? So let's just pray, and I'm just gonna give God a moment to speak to you, and I know he's gonna speak, and then um, after that, we'll dismiss. But, but I really believe that God can do something in our hearts. It will never be the same, amen? God, I just thank you that for whatever reason, God, I was not in that video on the other side of that thing. I don't know why you did it, God. I don't know why we're all sitting in this room, and, and we weren't the people that were marching over there, God, around the temples, God that you let us be born here, God. You let us hear the gospel. You let us, God, have an opportunity to respond and to know you, God. And God, you are asking us to do the same so that people can respond to you, God. Some were here because somebody told us about you, God. God, it doesn't end there. God, would you show us this morning, God, how we can reach the people in this community? God, would you show us this morning, God, what it's going to take, God, that we wouldn't just ask, God, what's it gonna cost me? But God, that we, we would ask you, God, what is it going to take to reach these people? God, that we would have a yes in our hearts to do whatever it is that you've asked us to do. God, I pray for these precious people, God, that, that already get this missions thing, that have been giving and praying for years and years and years. God, I thank you for all that you've done. But God, there's more. There's so much more left to do. God, would you help us to do it? God, keep us up at night thinking about the unreached. God, take out our hearts, God, of stone and give me a heart of flesh, God, that feels the way you feel about your precious sons and daughters that like the prodigal are now dead, waiting to come home to be alive. God, help us. Help us to do that this morning. Speak to us, God, and help us to remember it. Help us to remember what you told us to do tonight, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of the, this month. God, I pray that all the days of our life, we will remember what this world is like so that we can do something about it, God. Continue to shock us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral, Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.